This week, uh, we'll be continuing our series through the first verse of Joy to the World. Today, we hit the last line of that famous hymn, hymn, (laughs) which reads, And heaven and nature sing. So what's going on there? Nature singing? Okay, admittedly, it's a bit of an odd verse, but I'm looking forward to getting a deeper grasp of that line and really that concept as we work through our text this morning. Today, we're back in Romans. This week, it's, it's chapter 8, verses 18 to 25. If you have your, your Bibles with you this morning, I encourage you to read along. If not, the words will be on the screen. Let's take a look together at this word from the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. That ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. This past Wednesday, as the snow came down, Karen and I sat in the living room sipping eggnog. All the lights were off in the house except for the Christmas tree, and as we rested in the still peacefulness of a house asleep, We took a bit of a look back at this past year. What a year it has been. I don't know if you've seen this ornament, but I thought it summed up the season and the year pretty well, so props to whoever came up with it. I know that I'm not alone when I say that I'm thankful that I will never have to experience 2020 again. During this crazy year, people have experienced so much suffering, so Many lives lost to the virus, so many jobs just evaporated. So much hunger, so much fear. In many ways, we lost our ability to socialize, partially because in isolation, the things that divide us become more important to us, but largely because we've been in isolation. We haven't been able to enjoy the company of our friends, and we haven't had the opportunity to make new ones. We've been held captive by fear, we've been held captive by prudence, and we've been held captive by government overreach, and we've been held captive by individual selfishness. Add to that cocktail the justice issues our society still struggles with that came bubbling to the surface in a contentious and particularly divisive presidential election, and it's been quite a year. So much suffering. I can't remember a time when there has been this much anticipation to move on to another year. Just 11 more days, guys. Just 11 more days, and we're done with 2020, and we can move on into 2021. But here's the deal. This this isn't a new feeling. 
though it may be a bit stronger this year, it's, it's not a new feeling. How many posts did I see on social media last year saying, man, I can't wait for 2019 to be over. I just need to get to 2020 and give me a fresh start. Mine was one of them. Karen and I lost a child in, in 2019 in January. By January 11th, I was ready for 2019 to be over and for 2020 to get going. And then look what 2020 brought. Just as we had no idea how much pain, frustration, and suffering 2020 was going to hold, we have no clue as to what 2021 has in store for us. I'm not trying to be depressing here. It's not my intent to to bring us down. I'm just pointing out the reality is that we have no idea how this coming year will go. And there's the distinct possibility, in fact, there's the distinct probability that for some of us, 2021 will be worse than 2020 has been. Because the underlying reality is that we live in a broken world. We live in a world that, as Paul wrote in verses 20 to 22 of our text this morning, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Creation itself is suffering. This place that was created to be a paradise, a place that was created to be a wonderful and supportive home for mankind, was corrupted. Paul writes that it was put into bondage, that it was put in chains. Who would would do such a thing? Who would break creation? Well, we did. Man did. For because of the sin of man, because of the sin of Adam, the earth was cursed. Genesis 3, 17-19 reads, To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Cursed is the ground because of you. Often when we hear the curse spoken to Adam, we focus on man's portion of the punishment, right? Now we're we're fighting the earth. Great. Fantastic. Thorns and thistles and the like. And we have to work hard to provide the sweat of the brow and and, and all of that. This past week, it it dumped snow on us, right? And and I tweaked my back pretty good shoveling it. Spent a few days in bed with an ice pack and a heat pad, hoping my back would be good enough for me to stand up here this morning. Fighting the earth is not fun. And yet we get it. These are the consequences that that we deserve, that, that we earned But as with so many other things, there is splash damage. There are unintended consequences. I remember one time when I was a teenager up in Canada, it was a hot, beautiful summer day. And my friends and I decided that we were going to go drive by water ballooning. We made a tub of water balloons. We put it in the back of their pickup truck. And a few of us got in the back with them. And we were driving around town looking for prospective victims. We saw one of our friends' cars parked outside the post office, and so we waited for them to come out. Soon enough, the door opened, and our friend sauntered down the front steps. 
We engaged him in conversation for a minute and then opened fire with the water balloons, totally soaking the poor unsuspecting guy. And while we had no way of knowing what was going to happen, imagine the surprise of the little old lady that we didn't notice who came out right after him. Our friend was the recipient of the water balloons, but the little old lady behind him received just as much water as he did. Though it was Adam who was cursed in verses 18 to 19 of Genesis 3, the ground, the earth, creation became a sufferer as well and was imbued with futility, decay, and death. And she suffers still. One way of looking at that suffering would be pollution and how poorly man has managed the earth. It was once written that if mankind goes its own way unhindered, the last man will stand at the edge of a petroleum-clogged sea, while behind him rise the twisted skeletons of his great cities. Regardless of where we stand on certain elements of, of science, it is clear that pollution is a thing and that it damages the earth. And it is also clear that generally, as a society, we don't care so much about the earth as we do the latest trinket and gizmo that will entertain or make our lives easier. Now, that's not all bad. That's not necessarily all a bad thing. It's awesome to see the intelligence and ingenuity that, that God gave man at work in his inventions. I, I love those inventions. But it also is important for us to care for and to respect creation. God put man as caretakers over creation, and it is our responsibility to care for it well. As with everything else we've been put in charge of, we haven't done a very good job of this, and we need to strive to do better. But all that said, if we were to look at the chains of creation being simply physical ones, the ones imposed by the abuses of man, then I think we are missing an incredibly important element. Man's curse was both physical and spiritual. Yes, there is the sweat of the brow. Yes, there is the fighting the thorns and the thistles. But there is also the battle against sin. For in eating that fruit and doing what we knew we were not supposed to do and taking an action that we thought would make us kings and queens, that we thought would give us power and make us gods, we brought upon ourselves the enemy that we could not defeat. Our broken, sinful selves. It's not just the daily grind that we fight. It's just not the things that 2020 put out of reach for so many of us. Health, wealth, and influence. No, the struggle to attain these is truly just the side effect of the deeper issue, the spiritual issue. In eating that fruit, Adam broke his relationship with God, and that brokenness has been passed down to each one of us. Though we are created in the image of God, and though it is by his breath that we have been given life, we live with the taint of of sin. Who of us resists temptation perfectly? Who of us has never crossed a line that we shouldn't? Who of us, after believing that we had finally overcome a vice, have slipped back into its comfortable embrace in a time of weakness? No, we are broken. Our struggles, our chains, our suffering is both physical and spiritual. And so the curse that was splashed onto the earth was also physical and spiritual. The earth is groaning in its chains, and not just the chains of pollution and the abuse at the hand of man, but the bondage of being broken by the sin of man. The earth quakes. She rumbles and she strains. Tornadoes, hurricanes, avalanches, tsunamis, floods, blizzards. The earth is broken and raging against the chains that she has been put in. 
Creation is groaning to be free. Creation is groaning to be healed. Creation is groaning for the curse to be lifted. Creation is groaning to be made new. And we here today, we lift our voices and groan alongside the world around us. The natural world, creation itself, we, we groan in the pains of childbirth, longing for deliverance. Our hearts cry out to our maker with creation. And with the psalmists and the prophets of old asking, how long, Lord? Is no one able to free us from this curse? Will justice never be served? Will life always be hard? How long, Lord, must we suffer in this world of sin? Can no one save us? Is no one worthy? Is no one worthy? And that question echoes forward into Revelation chapter 5, where the Apostle John writes of a vision he had of the throne room of God, and there was a great scroll that was sealed with seven seals in this throne room. And a mighty angel proclaimed with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals? Who is worthy to open the scroll? And that question echoed through the chamber, for no one in heaven or the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to read it. In response to the silence, John wept loudly. But then one of the elders leaned over towards him and said, Weep no more, behold. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And then John saw there standing a lamb, a lamb who had been slain. And this lamb went and took hold of the scroll. And when he had taken the full company in the when he had taken it, the full company in the room fell down before the lamb and worshipped him, saying. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. There is one who is worthy. There is one who can. And as we see here in John's revelation, who will one day open the scroll and who will one day make everything right. The Lamb. Jesus, the lamb who was slain, the lamb who by his bloody, by his blood ransomed the people for God. Things had to be put right. The price for sin had to be paid. And so Jesus Christ paid the price for our sin. And he did so on the cross where he died, where he was slain. The lamb that was slain did not die because of his own sin. For he was perfect. No, he died for the sin of the guilty. He died for the one who chose the chains. He died for the one groaning in agony under a curse that he rightfully earned. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. Jesus is the one who breaks the chains. Jesus is the one who brings deliverance. And in response to this mighty work, the living creatures, the elders, and the myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands of angels in the throne room of God call out with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then John hears it. He hears every creature in heaven and on earth. He hears man who deserved the the curse. And he hears the creation who received it alongside him with all that is within them calling out to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. 
What a fantastic vision. A look forward to a time when earth and man and the heavens will all be in harmony because of the work of Jesus Christ. When all of the created world will lift its voice and praise its creator. The seals will be broken, the scroll will be opened, and this world will suffer no more. This is our hope. This is the hope that Paul writes about in our text this morning, where he writes, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And there it is. Our bodies will be redeemed. Sin will be gone. The chains will be taken away forever. No more will we be tempted to put them back on. Heaven and nature will sing of the glories of the Lord. We'll be overcome with the pure joy that is given us when we have perfect relationship with God. That will be a day to celebrate, and that is a day that we continue to anticipate, a day when our Lord and Savior comes again. And in that day, we hope, a day that we cannot see right now in this broken world with its broken people and cursed creations surrounded by the temptations and sins of the world and surrounded by suffering. It can be hard sometimes to hope in that day, but let us wait for it with patience, resting in the truth that has been proclaimed leaning into the faith that we have been given and trusting in the hope that we have. But as we look forward to that day, let us take time to celebrate the first glimpse of that future day that we received thousands of years ago when some shepherds were watching their flocks and the heavens opened and before them was a multitude of angels. And these angels told of the birth of the Lamb. They told of the birth of Jesus Christ in a stable in Bethlehem. And that night heaven sang. And as we rest in the promise kept, as we rest in the first coming of Jesus, we look forward to his second coming, when together with united voice, heaven and earth will sing to God and Jesus, to the Father and to the Son, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen.